All right, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can follow me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also follow me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Andrew Dorowski, uh, guest this week. I work on uh, the Protagonist podcast and Disney Animation Minute Essentials. Uh, that's another podcast. That one is like this one, where it's one minute at a time, but of Disney films instead of DC films. Cool. Oh, yeah. I remember you uh, you put posting something about it, and I was uh, going to get into those. You guys are doing Snow White, I think, right now? Yeah, we're starting back at the beginning with, with Snow White, the first full-length animated feature ever. Very cool. Very cool. cool. Awesome. Well, today we're talking about Man of Steel, and we're talking about minute number 36. And the minute starts with uh, some more back and forth between Jed Eubanks and Lois Lane. And then the minute ends with Lois being informed about an anomaly under the ice. Um, so in here we get some more, I guess it's kind of like that dialogue where it's supposed to give you some exposition about her character. Um, she says, she uses the kind of, uh, the bit where she says, I get writer's block if I'm not wearing a flak jacket. So it's kind of just like, um, she's in the action. Yeah. Yeah. She's not always getting into trouble. She's not doing what she loves. Um, Right. I think they're basically saying she is, I mean, the equivalent of a war correspondent, yeah, mm-hmm. primarily. Um, but even though I think technically she's supposed to be an investigative reporter, mm-hmm. but they're saying like she gets in in the dirt. Yeah, she's persistent, ballsy, which is classic Lois Lane. Uh, yeah, I mean she's always just uh, more so in the past and uh, through like Infinite Crisis than than what we're seeing um, now in current like rebirth timelines because now she's. Uh, you know, she's got a kid. She's got a family to look after. She's a mother. She's uh, she's still more of an investigative reporter, but she also has the uh, you know, constant look over her shoulder, uh, especially when um, her and uh, uh, a, a, you know, Clark Kent version now is uh, so kind of in hiding. Current Lois Lane is isn't as daring as as this in the film. So I'm I'm reading the current Superman run too. Um, and I'd say she is not a featured character very much. She's she's only in, like, every other issue. You really get a good look at her. But she's definitely playing more mom. And she's she's much lower key. She doesn't want to be well-known because that makes it harder for them to maintain their, their cover. Yeah, she was going under, like a, like, a pen name. What was it? Writer X or something like that. Yeah. Previously, so. Do you think she's trying to, like, get her name out there? Or is she just trying to, like uncover what people are trying to hide is she just being like that kind of asshole like when, in this movie or right now yeah i guess in this movie yeah in, in this movie <laughs> in this movie i guess she's kind of being you know like what we she... normally think of lois lane and uh she's she's out there she's in the action she's very persistent she's a reporter that won't stop at anything to to get a good story is it just to get a good story or is it to like do justice through journal i think she's got like her attitude about doing it there's um in in this depiction of Lois Lane in particular, like an extra touch of feminism, like she is got an attitude about being treated as a woman in this movie and in these minutes. But in general, I think she is more just like, I'm really good at what I do. I'm going to be the best at what I do. And it's a lot of um, confidence and pride in her work. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. Which, which I mean, is a good comparison to to what we see as Clark in this universe, where it's it's almost like they're kind of opposite, uh, especially oh, yeah. when they first meet, and then in this in going forward. But um, but yeah, she, like you know, Clark was always trying to stay, you know, keep it close to the chest, where she's going out there and and being in the action and covering what she needs to cover. Yeah, like her comfort zone is not being in her comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this Clark is devoid of pride. Yeah, where this or she's full of it. Well, yeah. I mean, think about what Jonathan Kent would shove down his throat. His yeah, 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 life. Johnny, yeah. It was, you know, keep yourself a secret. Don't, don't go out. Don't go out of line. And he's, you know, that's your father telling you that. Of course, you're gonna <laughs> have some side effects when you're a thirty year old man. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we're introduced to two uh, pretty big characters in this film. Yeah. In the right in the next scene, uh, we're introduced to uh, Colonel Nathan Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a U.S. Uh, Air Force. Uh, he works for North Command. So, and he's played by Christopher Melanie from the greatest TV show ever, Law and Order SVU. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, and then we're also introduced to Dr. Emil Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, he works for DARPA, which is, I guess, like, um, almost. I, from what I got out of it, it's just, just like a research division. It's it, it's like the Department of Defense Research Division, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's what um, Star Labs forms into after Something the like that. the in, the introduction to metahumans. Because um, he's a he's a known Star Labs employee and scientist in the comics and along with other things. But um, Dr. Emil Hamilton Hamilton is the only one that. The character that they pulled from the comics, um, Nathan Hardy, is first appearance in this movie, and uh, I don't know why they decided to just you know create a character for this purpose, and why they couldn't pull I don't know, even someone like Rick Flag or someone just to keep the, the well, he universe has to die. consistent. Well, he doesn't have to well, die. But they killed him. I mean, they could have they could have even pulled General Lane, Lois's dad. Exactly. Yeah, it could may, may have been a conflict of interest with family and you know having her there and whatnot but still it could have been a good banter between father and daughter especially in like a professional setting now that you say it like that would have been a really good connection between this and suicide squad had it been like a uh, rick flag and then later on they're like oh rick flag is going to lead you to team and yeah suicide so squad. he had already you know you're already like going, yeah you're humans. going into the film yeah. like, oh that no would have been that would have been really cool yeah, yeah it's just i mean it would have helped the film, I think. A I like the character because we share a first name, but hey, you know. <laughs> um, uh, oh, I, I was gonna say something else. Um, yeah, I mean, like I got a bunch of notes on Emil Hamilton. Yeah. But, um, oh, played by uh, Richard Schiff. He's uh, in Lost World. Yes. Yeah, he's that. Yes. He's the one with that. I think the high hide. <laughs> yeah. Is exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, you were going through the notion that um, I'm a strong believer that um, Colonel Hardy is still alive in the Phantom Zone. I had that thought too. I think every like, well, I don't really know. So, yeah, I have a lot of questions about that. <laughs> we can get there because a lot there. of people also want like Feora to like somehow survive that as well. Yeah, there's... I like I like Feora a lot. Yeah, yeah. She trained her butt off for this role. Yeah, she really did. Um, she suffered through a lot. <laughs> but um, introduction to Emil Hamilton um, in previous uh, continuity in comics, he you know was a Star Labs employee. Um, at one point in time, he did become Superman's uh, scientific advisor, and uh, he was credited with helping him create the Phantom Zone projector, which he kept in his Fortress of Solitude, and that was that big, you know, ball machine that he just kind of shot, and it kind of opened up a portal to the Phantom Zone. 
um, there's a whole arc on him, especially during um, Infinite Crisis, where he comes back as a villain after the introduction of uh, John Henry Irons um, Steel and the oh. Superman family. And um, Superman kind of switches roles for scientific advisors, where he goes and partners more with uh, Steel than he does with Emil Hamilton because he kind of sees that they're both heroes and they kind of have common ground. Um, mm. Yeah, and then, but I mean, before the the whole steel thing and all that stuff, he did provide Superman with a lot of scientific technology to, to help him be a hero. So he was a good guy um, for a while. You know, that all that technology went, it ranged from, there was a time when Superman lost his powers from Red Kryptonite and uh, during the whole uh, Brainiac 13 event and everything. So Emil Hamilton helped Superman create like a force field belt and like an armored suit so he can still be Superman and go around saving people. Is that um, from like Death Superman where he comes back and that's um, it's it's all after that it's all yeah. during um, Infinite have... Crisis and all that stuff but then at the same time um, Emil Hamilton kind of disappears and reemerges as a villain and he's uh, Overmind at that time which later we learn that he becomes Ruin um, uh, during Infinite Crisis. That's a supervillain name? Yeah, Ruin. Um, Ruin. Like, there was this whole arc where... Uh, where Pete Ross was president, I believe, and they yeah. thought that he was Ruin, and he was out to get Superman and everything, and then... Because he know. was, like, vice president for Lex Luthor for a bit, and then, like... Yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. and then, I mean, he he... Emil Hamilton kind of outed himself as as Ruin, and he had, you know, the same armored suit and cybernetics that enhanced his abilities to be a villain. And then I believe later he partners with, I want to say Alexander Luther Jr. from Earth Three to create to 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 be in a um a villain society. And oh, then, so Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if you if you will. Um, but uh, but then it kind of just disappears after that, and I don't believe I think he showed up, maybe a little bit in the current Superman continuity. I think right after the death of New Fifty Two Superman, where he was just a scientist, Again. Emil Hamilton. Yeah, he wasn't really any big part, but I think it was because he had a big enough character in Man of Steel. They just kind of threw him mm-hmm. into the comics just for continuity reasons. Well, there's a lot of speculation you can do. Um. But we'll get there because yeah, <laughs> we have a lot more to see. With he's this good. Guy. He's a he's a big character. Um, he he has like a long history in Superman. I remember him a lot from the '90s cartoon. Um, he was he was probably in every other episode of that, and then he tied into the Justice League Unlimited and and the Justice League cartoon. So he was he was a good character. I remember him a lot, and I think they didn't do him justice in this movie. No, they really didn't. Unless he, you know is still alive in the Phantom Zone and kind of becomes mastermind scientist, armored yeah. suit, Emil Hamilton that we will see later on. And especially if if Brainiac is a plan for the future with these films, I would put a very strong bet on Emil Hamilton coming back that would, as a villain in that kind of sense. Everyone that got sent into the fan, well, see, we're going to get there. <laughs> it's like because we're jumping way too far ahead. But yeah. That would be a nice collection for Brainiacs to have those people. Yeah, especially him. Uh, um, yeah, and but Feora. like other than other than Lois in these scenes, like I think Emil Hamilton is the biggest and one of the most pivotal characters in the Superman lore that we're seeing. You know, with the aside of Colonel Hardy being just a made-up character for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
So when she meets them, she goes for a handshake. Nathan Hardy is just totally like being a straight up just douchebag and just like like needlessly, yeah, needlessly yeah. douchey. And I mean, and and Lois gives it back at him again in a needless way. It's like she didn't need to be that much yeah. of, a, of a jerk to them, even though like you just didn't need it. <laughs> they were just. They're, both I like being Lois terrible. as like a powerful reporter and confident in her skills and and all of that. And this scene, I don't think displays that very well. I would rather have had this scene combined with like her putting the camera together, so she's not even paying full attention to Colonel Hardy, where she's just like, "Yeah, I'm doing this stuff because this is what I'm doing," and at the same time, I can tell you that you're not going to stop me from doing what I'm doing. Like that would have been a better exactly. power play than just like calling them out on it and. Also, I did some research. I don't think that there's, like, applet court injunctions about letting the press onto yeah. military <laughs> investigations. Like, this is, like, a military installation. And, like, they don't have to let the press check out the military's comings and goings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if it is, if we're giving Lois as much credit as, I guess, maybe they thought to give her, she's probably at this point... A, a top reporter and she's yeah. very well known so if someone says hey they need an investigative reporter oh you know i think you're you're going to automatically think crap lois lane's gonna show up but like again it's just kind of adding the character there where she doesn't need to be added just yet but then you know we're moving plot points she, around yeah so she, in the film she says that um uh she the only reason she's there is because she got there was an injunction to keep her away from it. Yeah, and so appealed she it. went to, yeah, Canadian soil and the Appellate Court uh, overruled that injunction for her. So I feel like did they just not want her there, and then she found out that she wasn't wanted, so then she wanted to go there. Yeah, it seems like or were, like or weirdly did... specific that they inquired from the military, like, "Hey, can we send someone there?" And they're like, "No." And they and then they had to go to court and get an injunction to make sure that the Daily Planet didn't send somebody there. And then they appealed that injunction. Yeah. Yeah, it's like she didn't she just wanted to fight that appeal. It's like, just almost she just extra wanted steps. to appeal it. Yeah. I think Which I is... think they just threw in words to kind of like make make her say, they, like, yeah, I wanted they, I this, think so that... I made sure it happened. <laughs> And so they, they threw yeah. in legal terminology to say, like, and she does it by the law. <laughs> yeah. And playing on her persistence as a character, which yeah. is good. Which is <laughs> creative. Yeah. It's better than just, like, oh, I'm here to But I, I think it would have been dope if she yeah. just, like, rolled in on a, like, a like a snowmobile and just, like, parked it and, like, hey, I'm here and started getting her stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I assume that they're, the military was trying to... If they thought that this, you know, ping anomaly was uh, as big as what they think it is, which I doubt they did, you know, they probably didn't even think it was an alien ship or anything like that. It kind of seems almost, uh, I wouldn't say pointless, but the the military seems to go out of their way to say, yep, no reporters. <laughs> Don't have reporters like here. Should, yeah, like what, what, who allows that? Because... She's here to. I don't even know if she knows what's going on here. No, I think she was just like 
there's just something being investigated, an anomalous object. Yeah. And well, I was like, I don't like, even think oh. she knew that. I just think that, <laughs> oh, they blocked me. I should really go find out what they were trying to. Yeah, like. unless that was a thing where they, like they saw like a you know if they ha- if the Daily Planet has access to I don't know military log books or whatever where they, they saw I don't <laughs> if they saw like a you know. Uh, a, a big influx in military ships going to Canada and, you know, all that stuff where she's just like, something obviously is going over there and then she gets the I mean, email. it's not a small outpost. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, they, so, they have, like, like 20 different uh, tents and units or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, if the military is there, it seems like it's a big thing. I should probably go. I don't know. Yeah. It's what? almost, it kind of, hmm, see, then it just goes back to my theory of being right place at the right time. Oh, no. <laughs> The, She's just always going to be there, man. Um, she, like, she's like, all right. So if we're done measuring dicks, it's like, it's one of those things where I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of like, what do you? I, I don't know. I didn't get it. I was, I felt the dialogue was. I think that dialogue doesn't quite hit with. I, like, I can obviously see what they're trying to say. I just don't think it does it very effectively. Yeah, I think it's just trying to really showcase her just being this ruthless reporter yeah um Um, later on she like just swallows a whole thing of whiskey and it's just like showing it's like see she's tough yeah Yeah. exactly and it's like well you could just you could just really like actually make her be tough yeah instead of having these these notes where it's like and do this to make sure it's clear that she's tough it's like well no everything should you know indicate that element of her character yeah yeah, which I mean, I I like the I like the character. Like I like this portrayal of Lois Lane. I just wouldn't like hanging out with her. I'd be like, <laughs> damn, yeah, like yeah. I would like if she was in a room, I'd be like, damn, I'm just gonna leave. Yeah, just don't talk to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's cool. I I, I like the persistence of uh, you know. I like this portrayal of her. And I like Amy Adams. Yeah. Like, so Amy Adams is a good actress, so she's, you know, doing, I'm sure, what she's been instructed to do. I think now, like, right now, we're starting to notice, like, she's a very talented actress. But when this film came out, like, most people didn't know her. Yeah, she was she was less known, and, and people were skeptical. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah. But now with Arrival and Nocturnal Animals, now people are like, they really... Um, She's really accredited or acclaimed yeah. as an actress. Yeah. So um, so now looking back, I feel like if people watch this movie now, they'd, they'd have more of a uh, more praise for her and less skepticism. Um, and then, okay, so after they have their little introduction phase... Then they just start giving her just information about what's going on. Yeah. Which again, yeah, goes, they've got they've got that science guy, uh, yeah, Sikowski. Which shouldn't shouldn't that just be Hamilton? You would think, unless he's. I mean, he kind of seems like the guy that's just. I don't even know. He doesn't really call that many shots in this movie, so he doesn't really. He doesn't. He doesn't do a lot. He has very few lines. Um, he he fixes the Phantom Drive on the yeah. on the baby ship. Mm-hmm. And so I like. I would love if they'd cut out, like, an extra military guy and have Richard Schiff do all of this stuff, because I really like Richard Schiff. Yeah. He should have done... Well, I can't... I can't remember now, but he should be the guy giving us, like, exposition on, like, Kryptonian technology or something. 
I mean, he does that with the world engine way later, but I, I feel like he should just be doing all the science. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He needs to be the one that's that's calling the shots. He needs to be the one giving you stuff. I mean, other than this random throwaway military guy, which they did give him a nothing, name. Nothing against this guy. Like he he seems fine, and like he performs it well. Yeah, I feel like I've seen I've seen him on screen before. It seems like half the time he looks sick, like the colors aren't quite right on his skin. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever filming filter they use doesn't doesn't jive well with him. He he looks a little ill. Oh, poor Emil Hamilton. Um No, not him. The, the other oh, guy, the Sikowski. Oh, Sikowski. Oh, the yeah. guy on the computer. Like, like yeah. his, his skin tone looks a little bit off with whatever filter they used for this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cuz oh, yeah, cuz the the computer screen is like just blue and greens are just being thrown on it. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, that lighting is not doing him justice. He looks, he looks like he's got a cold. <laughs> um, I think he mentions that the the NASA EOS satellites. Do you know what those are? Earth what? observational systems? Oh, the satellites? No, I didn't. I, I didn't did catch some... that part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but all the the dialogue where they were talking about like the the depth of the of the anomaly it was like three hundred meters, right? Yeah. So that it, it is 300 meters long, which is bigger than a Russian sub for, you know, size comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, she's she's like, is it a Soviet-era submarine, perhaps? Which, like, what background does she have to, like, make that claim? It's like, oh, I did so much research on Soviet-era submarines and was like, no, like, what? That, it just feels like uh, such a, like, lousy guess that even I would make. Like, I would, like, if I saw something like that, I'd be like, is it a submarine? Yeah. And, like, it's just, I don't know. And then she's, like, specifically, maybe Russian-made, Soviet-era. Like, all these details. It's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Unless, I mean, she might have caught some backhand conversation from her father, you know, growing up in that era. That that, that there were Russian submarines near Canada. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you just got here, Lois Lane. Like, you think you're just going to answer all our problems for us yeah like we're the one telling you information i don't know and he and he responds like fairly sincerely he's like no it's much bigger than anything they were making back then it's like but that doesn't even have like none of the things she said has anything to do with what you have found like it's not russian it's not from the 70s and it's too big to be a submarine like nothing you found (laughs) would suggest that you should like counteract her question with any respect and he's like been a douche just barely so why is he suddenly like he's like no it's bigger than anything the russians were making back then so he's like he's like not trying to discredit her entire concept he's just discrediting some of it yeah and and if they went to the lengths of trying to keep out reporters from this whole thing wouldn't they keep her more at arm's length and not invite her well, into this what room I was saying, and give like, her all this information right after they yeah like what what was the what was the appeal at the court that they tell her everything yeah exactly it's <laughs> like okay well now i'm here now you got to tell me everything so i can write about it and that kind of seems like the military would still be like nope you cannot write about this because we have no idea what it is and we don't want you running crazy exactly. stories yeah like there's like military secrecy like the basic military secrecy. They would never tell you stuff like this. They would they would keep you in like locked in a tent. Yeah. They'd be like, "Well, you can take pictures of stuff if you want for like I an guess. hour, but and then go home." They'd probably yeah. have. Well, and also, I I did some research on like the press and military stuff, and like almost always, like a press person is going to be accompanied by a PR person from the military. Yeah, like escorted everywhere, so she doesn't get to like walk around and get her own room. Is that what Hardy would be? That would... No, I it, I don't... 
I don't think he would be. I think they'd have um, someone else, but like maybe that's what he's supposed to be. Is the the military PR person for this installation? Yeah, well, he's like he's like the sh- him and Emil Hamilton are like the showrunners of this expedition right here, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. they're probably, they probably have the highest clearance on this base yeah, and definitely. she comes in and they're like, well, come in this tent and we're going to give you the lowdown on everything. It's like, she would like in real life, that would be the opposite. They would be like, stay in that room. Yep. If we have anything Here, to tell here's you. Here's your low ranking escort. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like go take pictures of some crates and some snow and then, you know, and then they don't even, there you go. They don't even tell her. They let this guy tell her. Yeah. Then, and then they stand there. The article that she is supposedly writing and, like, needed to appeal to be able to get to the base and everything, is it just the military found stuff? Because, like, fact checked. Yeah. Like, what is she trying to find out and write an article about? I don't know, because it just, uh... I don't even think, like, extraterrestrial is, like, in her thought process at Mm -mm. this point. I don't think she, I don't think she knows what she's going to turn this article into again i think it was just like which seems like a waste of daily planet money <laughs> like i'm chartered sure, helicopters is, that's not cheap i'm yeah. pretty sure perry white says that every time she leaves the office <laughs> like what do you need like this helicopter what do you need clearance for this time like what are you doing mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure sometimes she's like i'll figure it out like after i have all the material and yeah. i like, make a story out of it because the story she ends up writing I mean, that's not even in this week. <laughs> no. But it's not about them finding something in some ice. Like, none of the lines she says are about the military and the object in northern Canada. No, it's about her life getting saved by some alien. They they really shouldn't be telling her any of this. I feel like they need a, like, men in black, like, what is the, like, neuralizer? neuralizer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they need to do one of those on her. Because <laughs> they literally just they give her everything. They tell yeah, her they put everything. all their cards on the table. They they don't even like each other. They're yeah. like fucking talking shit, like being super passive aggressive, and then they're like, "So let's check out this anomaly on this computer." Yeah. Do they actually say like where it is in relation to the surface of the ice? I know they say it's three hundred meters long, and that the ice around it is like twenty thousand years old. But do they say like? how far it is for them to try to get to the thing i i that was my biggest gripe i really wanted to know how deep below the surface this anomaly was they definitely have a crane up top right? yeah exactly and it looks like it's on so a is mountain. that for drilling <laughs> some big ice shelf yeah some of that's ice some of it's definitely not ice and then it just goes you know in my opinion it's got to be hundreds of yards meters down below which later on in the week i have another gripe about well, i with, think you know i think so the mountain is the ship and when it crashed it was like ice and rock and all that just formed on top of it and it is that hill mm-hmm. Twenty thousand years go by yeah and it's been building up on top of it okay so because that's why yeah and then a later minute we'll see her actually climbing up to get to it yeah but it's like it's definitely pretty deep, or else they'd have excavated it already. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how long has the military been there? How long has that crane been there? How long have they been digging or blasting or whatever? And definitely long enough to to get like a measurement of the ice around the thing. Which seems like that could be done in the first day. <laughs> you I know? don't know. Drilling drilling through ice is pretty dicey. 
right? Well, but, yeah, well, but and then you also need permits. Like you, like so many things are stopping. Like oh, you can't just start drilling into uh, land that doesn't belong to you. Especially for like old ice, like scientists get really sensitive about that. There's chunks of Antarctica where they're like there are pockets of water from you know super long time ago that have been sealed off, haven't had any contact with the world in thousands and thousands of years. They don't want to just like bust into it and contaminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's stuff like that is the holdup. I think there's multiple factors, but um, definitely a good question of like how long have they are like how long has this whole project been a thing? Long enough for Clark to actually make a name for himself as Joe, and long enough for him to be considered a good worker for Arctic must, Cargo. I think it actually I think it might be fairly recent. <laughs> like his whole journey must have been because of hearing about this man hold on yeah the bar and then what and 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 they say he worked at the bar for a couple months and then he went to arctic cargo probably and so however long between leaving the bar and working at arctic cargo so he had no idea about this until at the bar where he heard the dudes exactly so he's been just wandering since and then i i mean in my he's, he's taking a gap year yeah he's, he's learning about himself he's backpacking europe <laughs> he's finding himself um but then like it's yeah, almost yeah, it's is. almost i i had the question of why did he need to i guess to, to get information about what's going on but if he knew that there was something there yeah i guess he would need to to start working closely with like arctic cargo so he can get close to the military so it's not just like some random guy walking up the mountain and you know figuring out what this is but in my opinion if i was superman i'd i'd learn that there was something under there and i'd go and check it out almost immediately i don't know if i would sit around and and wait to learn as much as i can if i have these abilities i would just tackle it and just go it's it's under constant surveillance so he has to blend in you know he has to get that joe character until until the day when he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the day where he just walks up the side. But that's still later. I think, we, I think we've exhausted our minute. I think we're jumping into, like, the... Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. This is intense. Um, um, yeah. But... I think... Yeah. I don't oh, well, then on... I can just end on a quick note here. Uh, Sergeant Sikowski, the guy on the computer. Um, Alessandro uh, Juliani. Uh, Battlestar Galactica plays uh, Lieutenant Felix Gaeta. Which I don't, I'm not a Battlestar guy, so I wouldn't know any of that. But someone might. Someone might be like, oh, that's cool. I, I know that guy. Yeah, there you go. Um, I thought I recognized him from Battlestar, but I didn't watch a lot of it. Yeah, I've watched a handful of episodes, and I never got involved in it. Um, but he's also one of those Zack Snyder returning kind of extras. Uh, he was in Watchmen, mm. so he's one of those, oh. um, which is cool. Um, but besides that, I don't have anything else for this minute. Um, no. I'm good. Earth Observational Systems, Aqua, Aura, and Terra. Those are the three satellites, the NASA EOS satellites, which they don't even give us, like, which ones they use. I assume they use the Terra one because, you know, that deals with land and whatnot. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, that's um, that's it because I had no idea what the EOS satellites were. I was like, oh. I no, the, there was a lot in this minute, um, but a lot of introducing characters and getting – uh, kind of on track plot wise yeah. about what's going on yeah. but, but that's it that's all I got alrighty guys we're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute if you love what you hear don't forget to rate subscribe do all that jazz you can find us on all social media at DCU Minute 
And don't forget to check out Andrew's podcast, The Protagonist Podcast, and Disney Animation Minute Essentials. And we'll catch you guys here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.